0: We found these cases might get before a judge or a prosecutor, they would play it down, or the judge would say, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And I thought, do people realize that even though we say we're passing these laws and have been passing these laws, that when it gets to court before a judge or a prosecutor, the guy doesn't get justice? And often the public defender signed of the child doesn't understand sex trafficking. Hello. And
1: welcome to Invading the Darkness, stories from the fight against child sex trafficking, featuring Linda Smith, the founder of Shared Hope International. Join Linda as she shares stories from her 23 years of fighting the battle of domestic minor sex trafficking. Our desire is that each episode of Invading the Darkness will help you understand the importance of fighting child sex trafficking, as well as equip you to join in that fight. In this episode, You'll hear from Samantha Vardaman, Shared Hope's vice president. Samantha shares the detrimental effects that buyers have on the victims of child sex trafficking. You will hear straight from the mouth of a buyer what they think of when they pay for sex. You will also learn what steps to take in order to fight this terrible crime.
0: I'm pausing a little bit to think about the last episodes and what was missing. Kind of realize that over the years, I've had the same issue with many other survivors or overcomers that I've worked with, and that they don't talk much about the buyers and often don't want to talk about their pimps or those that traffic at them. But the big issue is the buyers. They'll say, I was sold six times tonight and I threw up, but they don't then say, and this guy was like this, and this guy was like this. They might say they were old like my granddad and young, or they don't say they're young at all ever because these are little girls and they just see everybody as old. But they don't focus much on the buyers. And I think we need to focus on the buyers for them. We need to say what happened to these men. Was it pornography they became addicted to and it got younger and younger so they needed to go buy or cause someone like Yvonne to be used so they can get younger and younger pornography to feed their addiction? I don't know. Whatever that is, we have to address demand as the primary concern in why these children are victimized in the first place. Demand for younger and younger sex acts with children. I want to focus on The history of trafficking again, you know, I've talked about way back to 1900 and before and the bias of what the child was called, he'd be 13, called a woman, called a call girl, and the language, but I want to move up to today. When I entered this fight way back in 1998, we all thought trafficking was somewhere else in the world, and I realized that the buyer's were what was in my way as I walked down the street where kids were being sold. My heart went to the individuals being sold, but in my way were these men arm-to-arm shopping, and the real issue, they were shopping. They weren't shopping. Nobody would have snatched those women and children from either other countries or the villages or poor areas. There wouldn't be a sale of these victimized women and children. Well, as I started moving into the issue of investigating the trafficking after we'd started several villages and ran them for the rescue and restoration for those children and women. I started investigating what made this all work. What drives this? And again, it came to demand. We went to countries and investigated for the United States, the Netherlands, Indonesia, South Africa, Jamaica, Japan, and it went on, and we would define the market. And it was always what the buyer wanted. The culture that said we need to have in Japan health and sex places will bring us health. And we discovered all this, but you found that in all of these countries, the buyer was not criminalized. In most places, it was criminal for Usually the females, sometimes we would find males. Well, what about that buyer? We started investigating America and in that investigation, we started looking at cases. We had the, what was called the demanding justice report and we went into the cases around the United States where it appeared there had been a buyer. Who was in the market and brought in, whether it's charged with trafficking or not, brought in, in trying to purchase or purchasing a child. The demanding, uh, justice research is on Shared Hope's website. There's no cost for it. You can go in and take a look at it. And it, it takes uh, several countries and looks at the market, looks at the culture. But I want to talk about America right now. We found that most of the cases that finally did get arrested. Now we're talking quite a bit later. Into the movement, 2013, we found these cases might get before a judge or a prosecutor. They would play it down, or the judge would say, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And I thought, do people realize that even though we say we're passing these laws and have been passing these laws, that when it gets to court before a judge or a prosecutor... The guy doesn't get justice. And often the public defender assigned to the child doesn't understand sex trafficking. So I'm going to take you in to a couple of things that we focused on. And one is still a focus of shared hope, and that is the buyer. And why our new report cards will grade the states on whether or not their law's really working to bring justice to these buyers. So I want to introduce you to Samantha, Samantha Vardaman joined me in working around the world to analyze and evaluate commercial sex markets. Samantha is the co-author with me of the Demanding Justice Research, the report, and she will speak to you about what we found in America. You're going to hear about a man named Lawrence Taylor. Some of you know he was in the Hall of Fame. You'll hear him talk about why he was shopping in Bottom You'll hear his excuses. Unfortunately, you'll also find out some things about him not really receiving justice. You're going to hear the voices of some trafficked victims. You're going to hear about Michael Gilland, a, a very well-known businessman in Colorado, who just happened to come down like a lot of wealthy people do, a lot of men. They come down and they shop in Phoenix for the kids brought in for the spring games, the New Year's parties. They just come down when it's cold and find a child in the market. Well, he hadn't been picked up before because they had not done stings before because they only, not long before that, had started investigating child trafficking in the area. But you're going to hear about his case. You're going to hear about the judges and how they looked at these cases and the actual sentences these men barely got. And then you're going to hear about Shared Hope's Resolve and why we expanded the Institute for Justice to be a fairly large effort right in the middle of Washington, D.C., to make sure that we keep the issue right up front and center in the nation and for all the states that buyers are serious criminals. So let's hear Samantha.
2: In 2006, the U.S. Department of State asked Shared Hope International a simple question, what is driving the markets of sex trafficking? But we found a more insidious, pervasive force propelling the commercial sex industry forward and creating the market for sex trafficking: demand. People who purchase sex acts with children, intentionally or carelessly, and with little fear.
0: It's the world of it's the world of prostitution. I mean, you you never know what you're going to get. If it's going to be a pretty girl, ugly girl.
2: But the truth is. It's not prostitution because there is no such thing as a child prostitute. Here's why. There is a federal law called the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, which states that any minor used in a commercial sex act is a victim of sex trafficking. And anyone buying or selling that child is engaging in the crime of sex trafficking. And this happens in America. A 2010 study conducted by the Shapiro Group measured demand for commercial sex with children in Georgia. It found that over 400,000 men in Georgia today have bought sex with a young female. And in any given month, 7,200 men will buy sex with an adolescent female in Georgia. Three escalated warnings were given to callers seeking to buy sex with a quote, young female. 47% of the men were undeterred And it's not just Georgia. What does this mean for the rest of our nation? We investigated cases that have been brought against buyers in the past five years. We wanted to see how many buyers are actually arrested for their crimes and what type of sentences they face. If
1: there's no demand, there'll actually be no supply. If I put something on a shelf and no one is buying it, I'm going to take it off the shelf. I'm not the cause of Prostitution, and I've been, sometimes I make mistakes, and I may go out there. But I didn't pick her up in no day going to a playground. She wasn't at the,
0: uh, hiding behind a school bus or getting off a school bus. This is a, this is a working girl that came to my came to my room. It's all clean. I don't have to worry about your feelings. they got to worry about you know. Uh, uh, it's all clean. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right. But God, I think it's the oldest affection in the world.
1: They want what they want, and they want to get gone. I don't think no man that have anything to do with prostitution care about any female. I got into a car with the buyer, and a few minutes later, the police pulled us over, and they pulled me out the car. And the buyer, on his face, he thought I was the police. Like, you know, he had a confused look on his face. But then when I got pulled out the car, like, you know, like, they were very rough on me, like, you know, come with
2: us, you know, they read me my rights, but they told the buyer, hey, you know, you need to get out of there. The TVPA carries hefty penalties for buyers, but this is a federal law. What about the state laws? If a state does not have strong laws to prosecute buyers, buyers are lightly punished, if at all, and therefore undeterred. Michael Gilliland, the former Sunflower Farmers Markets CEO, was charged with felony child prostitution in Arizona after soliciting sex with a person he believed to be a teenager. He faced a sentence that ranged from probation to 18 months in prison. He was sentenced to only 30 days in prison. Gilliland is not alone. Lawrence Taylor, Hall of Fame linebacker for the New York Giants and guest commentator on ESPN, paid $300 for sex with a 16-year-old girl in a New York hotel room. Under the federal TVPA, Taylor could have been convicted of a felony with a sentence of 10 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. But in a New York state courtroom, he pleaded guilty to two misdemeanors and was sentenced to just six years of probation, not a day in jail. And the victim, the 16-year-old girl, was left to rebuild her life without justice. Studies of men who buy sex in Boston and Chicago found that 80% of men would be deterred from purchasing sex if they had to serve jail time if caught. Almost 90% of the men in Boston said they would be deterred if they had to register as a sex offender as a consequence.
0: So in addressing the issue of demand, it becomes hard for us uh, during the course of our investigations to identify the various buyers that are out there. Oftentimes they have very limited interaction uh... with the individuals providing the services uh... basically girls typically don't keep good records and so during the course of our investigations it becomes increasingly more difficult to identify and prosecute them
2: so few buyers being arrested for their trafficking crime and how many of those are actually punished as a nation are we doing everything we can to protect our children are we enforcing our criminal laws against sex trafficking shared hope international is investigating which states are letting buyers walk free, and which states are demanding justice.
1: Thank you for listening to Invading the Darkness, stories from the fight against child sex trafficking. If you would like to learn how you can help put an end to child sex trafficking, please visit sharedhope.org slash take action. New episodes of Invading the Darkness are released every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating as well as a written review. Join us in Episode 9, where Samantha Vardaman shares the details from a landmark case against a buyer of sex.